This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, in a world of problems, we've got solutions. And in a world of questions, we've got answers. And let me begin by wishing everyone a happy new year. And here's to a prosperous 2022. And in our complex world, there are objective truths. There are personal feelings. Our job tonight and every night is to make sure you don't confuse the two. And if you watch that Rose Bowl today, once again, you'll see, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented. And you can script everything but the outcome. Sports are a true reality show. Reality shows are not a reality show. They're scripted. Well, sports are scripted, too. You've got game plans. You've got schemes. And they fall apart. You can script everything but the ending, and that's the reality of life. Ask Bill Buckner. Ask Betty White. She was all set to turn 100 on January 17th, and they're planning a big party. And I went to a movie today, and they had a big commercial for a party, and uh, rest her soul. Uh, she passed yesterday at the tender age of 99. Had me fooled. Came out of nowhere. Just gave a, an interview the other day. was vibrant. It's reality. You can predict everything but the outcome. That's nowhere more evident than um, in the sports world. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight we open by giving a final tribute to the great John Madden, what he meant to the NFL. I've got a couple of good Madden stories. If you really think the NFL would be as popular without personalities like John Madden, well, think again. But I think you already know that. There's a lot you know about them. There's probably a lot you don't. We'll have a little fun with that here in a minute. About 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Joe Gibbs of NFL Ref Stats. He'll have an update on all the idiosyncrasies and we've witnessed among NFL referees this year. Uh, Non-calls, bad calls, odd calls, inconsistent calls. What to expect uh, in terms of heading into the playoffs and some crews that have established themselves with certain patterns, Joe will have that for us. After Brian Finley's update, we'll follow up on the continuing saga of the missed extra point debacle in the NFL. And finally, we'll share who are the most profitable and least profitable teams to have bet on in sports this last calendar year. A couple of surprises and a couple of obvious ones. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Austin, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. What's the significance of Austin, Minnesota? John Madden was born in Austin, Minnesota. Bet you didn't know that. And... All the credibility that John Madden has accrued in his lifetime stems from the fact that he was a phenomenal coach. And he coached the Raiders to victory over the Vikings in Super Bowl XI in January 77. That game was played at the Rose Bowl. Uh, I was at that game. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to get into John Madden's coaching record in a minute. But the tributes have poured in, and, and perhaps none better than Bill Belichick, who said about John Madden, he said, quote, we all aspire to have a successful career. John Madden has had about five of them. 
And there's even a Shakespeare quote that I think is fitting when it comes to John Madden. Shakespeare once said after an individual dies, the evil that men do lives after them, but the good is often interred with their bones. Not the same with John Madden. People remember the good. People remember the personal interactions. And At the age of 85, his name's been synonymous with football for generations. It's hard to think of someone more revered in the history of the game. And the randomness uh, just... A week ago, on December 25th, when they had the All Madden special on Christmas, and three days later, who knew he'd be gone? And interestingly enough, his larger-than-life personality, people actually revere him from the standpoint of they, they know him more, for instance, as a broadcaster. He worked for all, more, all four major networks as a color commentator. But he was also the namesake of the NFL's exclusive video game, Madden. And a lot of the younger generations know him purely through the game console and or the Bud Light commercials. And by simply lending his name to the Madden uh, game console, he cemented his legacy decades ago. And, and I think John personally made about $500 million. But here's the thing. None of this really happens if, if Madden hadn't been this incredible coach. And there's a there's a there's a tendency to think that a lot of successful commentators are only in the booth because they really couldn't cut it on the sideline, and actually that's true. Uh, no matter how glib and funny and cute Tony Romo is, and Tony Romo is a world class athlete. Uh, he's a scratch golfer. Uh, he you know he dunk a basketball. He was a starting quarterback in the NFL, put up good numbers, but he never won anything. Never did it even it matters. Matter of fact, the only ever, I can't help it, Tony. Every time I think of you. And when it really mattered, you you botched the hold on the field goal in Seattle. So Tony's in the booth, uh, and he didn't cut it on the field anywhere near the way that John Madden did. Madden coached 10 seasons. He was a head coach 10 seasons in the NFL as the, for the Raiders. Only one team. He went 103 games, 103, 32, and 7. Yeah, back then they had a lot of ties. Now, I'm pretty good at math. That means he averaged 10 wins a year. The average 10 wins in the, year in the NFL, you're going to make a lot of money, which he did. Madden did this, though, during 14-game seasons. They didn't go to the 16-game season until after John Madden retired. Now it's a 17-game season. Madden averaged basically 10-3, and there were seven ties in there. Every year as a Raiders coach, as a matter of fact, he basically won three out of four games he ever coached in the National Football League. Madden also coached in an era where there were a lot of head coaches that made, made it to the Hall of Fame. John Madden won 67% of his games versus other Hall of Fame coaches. And oh, by the way, John Madden never had a losing season. Now, Bill, you know, I think you'd agree both Bilicic and, and Nick Saban are Hall of Fame coaches. They went, in, they went against each other twice while Saban was in the NFL, and they were actually one and one. So imagine every time you're you're across the sideline, you look across the sideline at another NFL Hall of Fame coach, and you you're beating them almost seven times out of ten, sixty-seven percent of his games. As I mentioned, he won one Super Bowl, Madden, nineteen seventy-seven Super Bowl eleven. They destroyed the Minnesota Vikings that day, thirty-two to fourteen. The game was at the Rose Bowl, and in Madden's 10 seasons, he went to six AFC title games. He also reached the AFL championship game in his first season, and this was before the merger. Madden, to this day, still has the highest winning percentage among coaches with over 100 wins. 
And that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. He is in the Hall of Fame as a coach. He was a good football player in his day, played at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, was drafted into the NFL, hurt his knee, but went into coaching. Now, why was John Madden so brilliant? Well, we'd have to take four hours to describe that, but if I capsulize it, it's basically that if you size up John Madden, at, at the end of the day, he was an incredibly keen observer. He had the ability to see things in people and see things in player and players and players that he coached and scouted that they didn't know existed, meaning he could look at you, he knew where you were, he knew what your ceiling was, and he knew how to get you to your ceiling. And his instincts were impeccable. Madden was also a genius at reading people. And, and even when he, their stories, even when he's a young linebackers coach in the NFL in his 20s, he was recognized as a guy that was renowned for being able to explain things incredibly well. That's not something a lot of people can do. Uh, he was a wordsmith in his own right. He didn't claim to be one of these guys that used 25-cent words, but when Madden spoke, he had an impeccable way of making his words resonate. I'll tell you who, who else uh, recognized this was Commissioner Roger Goodell. In 2009, Roger Goodell tapped John Madden on the shoulder, and he appointed him uh, in a special role he wanted him to be an advisor on the NFL's Competition and Safety Committee. And, and John Madden uh, was highly effective on that committee. And one story that, that, that comes to mind has to do with, you may or may not remember, many, many years ago, teams would line up for a field goal and the defensive unit would place uh, either a linebacker or a safety or a corner right behind the nose guard and their goal was to try to time the snap and time the, time the execution of the kick to where they'd get a running start, launch themselves off the back of the, uh, uh, of the nose guard, get, get to a point in the air uh, and, and try to read the angle of the kick and block the kick. And, and oftentimes it was effective. Well, the competition committee assembled a, a group one year, and this was on the agenda as to whether or not they should address that and whether or not they should keep it so that it's legal. And so this was way before Zoom calls, but they had a conference call. And on the conference call, of course, was was John Madden. So the conversation ensued. They talked about the pros and cons and as, as, to, as to whether or not to keep it or police it or what. And all of a sudden, after about an hour, they realized, well... They hadn't really heard any compelling arguments, so they were just going to sort of shelve it for now and uh, not deal with it. And then finally somebody realized, wait a minute, we've got John Madden on the line. We haven't even, John hasn't even checked in yet. John, John was an incredibly shrewd guy. He, he wasn't looking to dominate the room or act like the smartest guy in the room, even though he probably was. And so when John was called on, John says, all right, so I think I understand you guys. We're just we're just not going to change the rule, right? We're just we're, we're just, or we're not going to institute a rule. We'll just keep everything it is, right? Does that sound right? Did I understand that right? They said, "Yeah, I think that's where we're at, John." And he says, "All right, well, do me a favor. Uh, call me, call me when someone breaks their neck, and then uh, what will happen is you'll change the rule after someone breaks their neck, and you're going to ask yourself today, you want to change the rule before someone breaks their neck, or when, or or before they break their neck?" And they all looked at each other and said. He's right. He's right. This is an incredibly dangerous play. You can't control how you're going to land. Not everything good could happen. You end up changing it, and as you can see now, that's no longer legal. 
Well, the truth of the matter is, think how Madden handled that. He didn't try to jump in or talk over anybody at the beginning of the meeting. He didn't try to dominate or stevedore the conversation. He waited his turn at the end, and he was so highly effective with his choice of words and his inflection and his ability to make his case that it was a no-brainer. That was John Madden. One other quick story, and this is a humorous one, and I, and I know it's true because John told the story on Saturday Night Live many, many years ago. Again, one of the many things John Madden did that he garnered such positive response on. So there's a story about the Raiders, and they were finishing up a road game, and the bus was in the lot, and they did a head count, and they were short one person. And they had figured out that that person was linebacker Ted Hedricks. Now, there's an old saying, I mean, you got to be crazy to play football. you got to be crazier to play defense. you got to be really crazy to play linebacker. And you really got to be crazy to play linebacker for the Raiders. And after all that, Ted Hendricks, believe me, was crazy. Very smart, bright, highly talented linebacker. So they told uh, they, they told the team trainer, somebody better go in and, uh, and, and, and get uh, – and get uh, uh, Hendricks because the bus is going to leave without him. And actually, Madden went in there, and he finds him in a stall, leaning over the stall, staring at the commode, and Madden goes, what the hell are you doing, Ted? Ted doesn't answer. He goes, Ted, I asked you a question. The bus is leaving in one minute. What are you doing? Ted says, I dropped a quarter in the toilet. He goes, I don't care about that, Ted. We got to go. What's wrong with you? And he stood there. Uh, Hendricks stood there in kind of a catatonic state. And Madden goes, I'm telling you, I'm walking out of here. We're going to leave. And all of a sudden, Hendricks reaches into his pocket, pulls out a $50 bill, throws it in the toilet. Madden goes, what the hell are you doing, Ted? Hendricks goes, you don't expect me to go in there for only a quarter, do you? Allegedly true story. Madden surrounded himself with eccentric guys like him, and that's why he was so successful. Uh, later in the show, uh, toward the end of the evening, we'll bring in the crew, get their thoughts on Madden and, and some of the other luminaries in sports uh, today dan Rees, i mean tommy lasorda hank aaron so many wonderful people who led you know contributed to the sports tapestry are no longer with us courtesy of 2021 and these are the types of people that bring sports to life so we will uh, we will get to that all right coming up um we're going to bring in a gentleman whenever i've had him on we get more response from him than any other guest. His name is Joe Gibbs, good friend of mine. I've known him for 10 years. He operates a site called NFL Ref Stats. And why don't you just hear what he's got to say? I think you're going to be very interested as to the data he's accumulated on the certain tendencies. You know, like umpires have certain strike zones. And then, of course, you've got situations where you've got referees who have a tendency to call certain fouls in basketball. Joe's got really good data on NFL referees. So he'll be joining us uh, in just a second. That's coming up. I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth 
absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we're back. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This time, let's welcome in a gentleman. You've heard him on these airways before. Good friend of mine here in Vegas. Uh, runs a site called NFL Ref Stats. Say hello to Joe Gibbs. Joe, happy new year, buddy. Same to you, Bernie. How you doing? Good. Before we dive into some specific Week 17 matchups in terms of what could be strong officiating angles, you noted that back on Thanksgiving, a certain owner made a certain statement about the officiating, and since then, there's been a 36% drop in penalties on his team. Why don't you go ahead? I don't want to steal your thunder. Why don't you go ahead and share what happened? That's correct, and that certain owner is uh, one Mr. Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, and we remember in the aftermath of the Raiders-Cowboys game on Thanksgiving that Jerry came out and was very critical of officiating, and I remember mentioning on your show that week, I'll be curious to see going forward how referees approach Dallas. Well, lo and behold, like you mentioned, 36% drop in penalties against Dallas. That's the biggest drop of any team over that four-game span since Thanksgiving. So the referees, whether they're doing it purposely or subconsciously, they're not calling as many penalties on the Cowboys since that game. Um, And... You know, you've got a high-profile owner, maybe the highest-profile owner, coming out critiquing you. Do you want to throw that defensive pass interference flag when it's a 50-50 call? You're probably going to, you're probably going to hold the flag, and, and the numbers bear that out. Now, we're going to talk about that as we get into this because we've seen a lot of non-calls as well. So, Week 17 now is uh, upon us. We're a little over 10 hours away from kickoff uh, for a full slate tomorrow. There was no Thursday game this week. So you found a couple of strong officiating angles, and in fact, the Dallas-Arizona game uh, in in terms of that crew, and then another game, the Colts and Raiders, you found an angle there. Go ahead. You got the floor. Yeah, a couple of them. We'll get back to Dallas while we're on that that topic. Well, they're up against Arizona tomorrow, and Arizona, they're an undisciplined team. They're actually getting worse as the season progresses, so they kind of go on the exact opposite way to Dallas, where they're sort of tightening up their thing as far as penalties goes. Um... But this crew tomorrow, Scott Novak, and you may remember him from two weeks ago, the Monday night football Chicago-Minnesota debacle where they'll throw flags left, right, and center. Well, he's on that game tomorrow with Dallas and Arizona. And I was running through the numbers, and I try to match up what teams penalties teams commit and if they match up with how a referee emphasizes the game because they, they focus on certain you know, infringements. Well, sure enough, the Cardinals commit pretty much all the key categories that Novak's crew emphasize. Offensive holding, false start, roughing the passer. Arizona's right up the top in all those, and Novak's crew will punish you if if you're not on your game with those particular infringements. And so, so it shapes up very nicely tomorrow for Dallas, given the fact that they're actually getting called for less penalties and that Arizona commits a ton of penalties that this crew likes to emphasize. Now there's a third game here, and this is interesting because the Chiefs head into Cincinnati and the Chiefs get to face the Bengals, obviously, um, 
who currently own the 29th-ranked pass defense. Now, why do I bring that up? Because John Hussey is on the game, and he has a certain tendency. You've pointed out, Joe, that Kansas City's been the biggest beneficiary of defensive holding penalties in the last two years, but John Hussey doesn't necessarily play that game. Talk about how that might be a factor tomorrow in Cincinnati. Yeah, a couple of things. Well, Hussey's a good home field advantage referee to begin with, so that helps Cincinnati's cause. But yes, um, the biggest beneficiary is Kansas City as far as defensive holding, which kind of makes sense. You know, you've got all those guys running around, Hill, Kelsey, Hardman, um, and refs tend, you know, they call a lot of defensive holding penalties on defenses against the Chiefs. Well, the Bengals are actually the least penalized team in the league this year, so Zach Taylor's obviously doing something right with the team, but Hussey does not enforce defensive holding calls. He calls the fewest in the NFL, and he calls the second fewest pass interference calls. So the, uh, the, the Bengals have actually kind of drawn a pretty good you know, crew here. Whether they can take advantage of it, I don't know, but I, I'm just giving you the numbers, and the numbers are that this crew will let you hold and grab those wide receivers and, and guys like Kelsey at tight end. So you play to the referee. Belichick said this. You play to the whistle. You play how they call it. So if the Bengals have done their homework and they go out there and maybe grab and hold a little bit more, and with this crew, they may well get away with it. Talking with Joe Gibbs of NFL Ref Stats uh, has developed a tremendous amount of data and referee tendencies much like an umpire who has certain strike zone tendencies or a basketball referee who likes to call fouls. Joe has a, has compiled a lot of the same data for NFL referees. Final thing, Joe, look, we've all been, we're all fans at heart, and you watch a game and no one likes to see a referee take over where there's damn near flag every other play. It ruins the ebb and flow of the game. It ruins the product on the field. We all know that. At the same time, you can't completely let them play, but... We like to see crews that really, quote, let them play because it allows the teams on the field to find their own high watermark. Who are some of the crews, Joe, that really let these teams play? Uh, there's a handful of them. Just as we mentioned, John Hussey, he generally lets them play. Uh, Ron Torbett, another one. He's actually 11-4 and four to the under this year. Ron Torbett's crew, he lets them play. Do you Bill know what Vinovich. game he's on tomorrow? Don't mean to put you on there. Oh, Bill Vinovich, one of our favorites. Do you know who yeah. Ron, Do you know who some of these refs are, are on tomorrow? Joe, you want to let people know the website where they can find where the, where the refs are listed? Yeah, I mean, it's all on my Twitter feed there at NFL okay. Refs. So okay, I, good. I put it up there. Um, Vinovich, I know off the top of my head, he's on the Rams and the um, – the Ravens. Um, Torben might have the week off, I think, but Vinovich is on Rams, Ravens. But, um, yeah, those are guys that generally let him play. And as a general rule, once he gets to the playoffs, which is a couple of weeks away, uh, I don't know if the NFL sends out a memo or not, but generally the penalties do go down in the playoffs because they don't want these referees deciding games. But at the same time, they may decide games by not calling a pass interference call, which goes to the point, remember a couple of years back with the uh, Rams and the Saints in the NFC Championship when there was that clear pass interference call that the Saints never got. Well, yes. that was Bill oh, Vinovich. Yes. That was Bill Vinovich. And so he didn't call it, and then all hell broke loose. So it goes both ways. People complain when they call it, but then if they don't call it, they're like, well, why didn't they call it? So it's a tough job, I suppose. Joel, you do a great job with this stuff. I think it's important we get you back on in January when we know the playoff matchups and we know the crews, all right? Sounds good, Bernie. All right, that's Joe Gibbs of NFL Ref Stats. Uh, for instance, this is the kind of data he has. If you're looking to bet the Raiders Indianapolis tomorrow, Brad Rogers is the referee. He's a ref, 
uh, that favors the disciplined home team because he 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 will call penalties and the Raiders are number one in penalties. Meanwhile, the Colts are very well coached and they're only the number 30th most penalized team in 2021. Just something to look at as you try to find that edge. Speaking of an edge, more and more teams are going from for two now than ever in the history of the NFL after a touchdown. And when you hear these stats about the NFL extra point percentages currently, you'll know why. But first, let's go to the man who uh, was very inquisitive the other day. He wanted to know if if Aaron Andrews married Aaron Rodgers, would she be Aaron Rodgers? It's Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bernie. And with that lack of excitement that we witnessed in the National College Football semifinal games, whatever we missed as far as the drama and the heroics and the theatrics, it was all channeled into the Rose Bowl on Saturday where number six Ohio State overcomes number 11 Utah 48-45. to It was an offensive explosion in Pasadena. So many records were broken, including the play of Buckeyes wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba, and he had 347 yards receiving, and that record right there was the most anybody has ever had in a bowl game caught in FBS history. And by the way, C.J. Stroud, he broke the Rose Bowl record for passing yards with 573. Also, number seven, Baylor took down number eight, Ole Miss, 21 to seven at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Now, keep in mind, yeah, the Bears had 10 sacks, but they also took advantage of Ole Miss losing their presumptive first round NFL draft pick of a quarterback in Matt Corral. He went down with an apparent ankle injury in the first quarter and Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin says that x-rays came back negative. Then there was number nine Oklahoma State as they come back and beat number five Notre Dame 35 to excuse me 37 to 35 at the Fiesta Bowl. The Fighting Irish had a 28 to seven lead and then the Cowboys scored 30 unanswered points and hang on in the NBA the Warriors toppled the Jazz 123-116 Steph Curry 28 points and nine assists then there was the Nuggets Rockets game now the outcome is secondary to another story that was brewing and it was Rockets assistant coach John Lucas according to reports at the half in the locker room singling out players and pointing out and calling out guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. Now, this led to Porter Jr. and Lucas getting into a tiff, so much so that Porter Jr. said the heck with this. He left the locker room, went into his car at the half, and left the arena. And the game ended up being a win for Denver, 124-111. There was also a victory for the Clippers over the Nets, 120-116. L.A., 40 points in the fourth quarter. DeMar DeRozan, a game-winning three for the Bulls as they win a seventh straight and take down the Wizards, 120-119. The Bucks victorious over the Pelicans, 136-113. Giannis Dentecumpo, a triple-double. And finally, as we get ready for a hectic and exciting slate of NFL games on Sunday, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, according to reports, is not going to play on Sunday against the Texans with that right thumb injury. The Niners do hope to have him back for that final regular season game or when things, yeah, that final regular season finale, if I repeat my words there. But let's get back to a man in Bernie Frado who was Mr. Durable, never misses a show, never misses a game. It's the quarterback of the show, and it is Bernie in Las Vegas. You know, Brian, that debacle in Houston, I understand uh, there was also 
another uh, event where Chris Wood was asked to go back in the game. Yes. You know, he started and he refused to go in. Yes. And it's funny because I, I got a text about an hour ago from this guy reading. He says, I cannot believe that dumbass Chris Wood refused <laughs> to go back in the game. I would never do that. He should be fired on the spot. Signed, Scotty Pippen. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh, Bernie. I love it. I Good love night, it. Folks. You've been a great audience. <laughs> yeah. All well right. done. It's almost as funny as the new NFL extra point stats, which isn't funny anymore. You know, uh, back in, uh, uh, in 2015, the NFL moved the extra point attempt, if you're kicking it, from the two-yard to the 15-yard line, right? 13 little yards, but it, it, it essentially turned what had been a sure thing at that point. The success rate in the NFL in 2014 on extra points was 99.3%. So... What is that? You know, out of every every thousand kicks, they miss seven. So, it, you know, one year later, it dropped five full points to ninety four point two percent. You know, what in the wide wide world of sports is going on here? And the NFL hadn't been that low since nineteen seventy nine. And and the, the 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 NFL went through something like this back in nineteen seventy four. And what happened then? If you see some of the old tiny highlight films. The goalposts used to be flush with the goal line. And, you know, guys would run into the poles and knock each other silly. And that was way before CTEs and concussions and all that. And I mean, they literally played that way for 40 years, but they decided, you know, maybe we should move the goalposts back 10 yards so nobody kills themselves. Well, when they did that in 1974, there was a pretty significant drop off because prior to that, what was basically a 20 point or a 20-yard extra point, you, you know, you snap the ball from the three, it goes to the 10, and the goalpost 10 yards back, so now it's a 20-yard extra point, they started missing him again. I think it's psychological. When, when kickers line up to kick a 32-yard field goal, it seems like it's just about automatic, but there's something about the extra point, there's a dynamic to it, to where it's supposed to be automatic. Now it's a 32-yard field goal from the hash, and, <coughs> excuse me, I think kickers... They, they have this sort of sense of self-induced pressure, and it's just not the same. The numbers bear that out, just like it did back in 1974. I mean, field, goal, field goals, or check that, extra points fell all the way to 90.9% in 1976. They continued to fall. Finally, they steadily rose, and it, it took many, many years, but... All the way back up to 2014, again, 99.3%. The minute they changed that rule, 94%, 93%, 94, 94, 93, 93, all the way down to 92% last year in 2021. This is something that I think plagues teams, and you're seeing more and more teams willing to go for it on, on uh, you know, after the, uh, go for two, excuse me, after a touchdown. Look what Bill Belichick did in that weather game. The night Mac Jones only threw three passes, he scores a touchdown and went four or two on the first touchdown and made it eight nothing. So now, not all teams, by the way, are participating. If you must know, believe it or not, there are five teams that haven't missed an extra point this year. The Bills, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Falcons, and the New York Giants of all teams. However, there are five teams that are actually under 85%. Now, that's dramatic. Okay, that, my goodness. You're, when, you, when you're down to 85% and you're missing one out of every six, that's brutal. And those points add up. One team, the Texans, the Jaguars, 
the Chargers, the Saints, and the Jets. Chargers. Now, they're a team that should make the playoffs. I, I, I would just say this. There's no rhyme or reason to it. All I know is these numbers don't lie. And I got to tell you, moving that, uh, moving that distance back has actually added some excitement into what had become, I think, a pretty dull, moribund aspect of the game. You line up for the extra point. You know, you can go to the kitchen and make yourself a sandwich or go do what you do, uh, take a break and, and come back. But not, not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. So uh, one of those things where I, I will be curious to see if and when and how it's corrected. Or maybe we're just into this new NFL where it's all analytics anyway and they'd rather go for two and you do the math on that. Maybe over time you come out ahead or I don't know. My head spins when I start to overthink this kind of stuff. Uh, real quickly, just to summarize some of the things that Joel uh, Gibbs said uh, from NFL Ref Stats, there's a matchup tomorrow in Kansas City. Uh, no, check that. It's in Cincinnati. Kansas City visits Cincinnati. The referee is John Hussey, and Joel has pointed out that John Hussey is an excellent home field advantage ref over his career, and that certainly is holding up this year in 2021. Uh, the Bengals are getting four and a half points. The key note is that Cincinnati is the least penalized team in 2021, and Hussey's crew calls the fifth fewest penalties. So you may see Cincinnati get the benefit of the doubt as some of those Chiefs wide receivers uh, roam in the secondary, and they're probably going to need it because the Chiefs will be facing a team in Cincinnati that their defense uh, is, their pass defense is, is 29th. I don't know what happened to the Arizona Cardinals. They're on the side of a milk carton, but they, they face, you know, Dallas tomorrow. Uh, they're tied number two in the NFL for false start penalties. Uh, Scott Novak is number one in causing, calling this, number eight in, in offensive holding. Scott Novak is number four in the league in calling offensive holding. And Cardinals are number one in roughing the passer, lack discipline. Scott Novak is tied for number three in this. These are three key categories that all impact um, – that all really, I think, really impact the Arizona Cardinals tomorrow. And I, the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. But what was almost assuredly uh, at least one home game, and possibly three weeks ago, they looked like they could be the number one seed. Now they're looking like they're going to be spending their life on the road uh, when the playoff starts. Uh, go to Joe's Twitter page at NFL Ref Stats 1. And he put out a tweet December 29th, okay, a couple days ago, he has the Week 17 NFL assignments, and sometimes they do manage. You know, they do matter uh, when it comes to uh, handicapping a game. I said the the best analogy I can give, and I've used it before, is that if you are betting a baseball game and you know an under uh, a, a, an umpire has a very liberal strike zone, and you've got a pitcher that can really deal, right? You're 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 you know, and Max Scherzer's on the mound. You're going to be more more likely to look at that under, and then you, you know there's stats on that too. What percentage of umpires uh, are, are their games go under? What percentage go over? What percentage you know does the road team win? The home team win? Those those exist too in other in other universes. Joe's compiling the same thing here with the NFL because we are seeing patterns. And you tell me if it's a coincidence after that Thanksgiving game uh, against the Raiders in which the Cowboys lost. Uh, Jerry Jones, uh, it's my understanding, he complained. and 36% less uh, penalties have been called on the Cowboys now uh, since then. Coincidence? I think not. 
All right, coming up, who are the two teams the pros like tomorrow? And uh, if you question whether the Chiefs are really back or not, I'm going to give you some pretty damning evidence. Yeah, they're back, whether you like it or not. It looks like the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC is going to go through Kansas City, barring something odd, but there's still two weeks left. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. All right, back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Chris Perfett, Bo Benson, and Brian uh, Fenley on the updates. All right, I want to pay off the tease. The Kansas City Chiefs, in case you missed it. All right, the first seven weeks, they were three and four. But rumors of their demise are greatly exaggerated. Well, the first seven weeks, their turnover margin was minus 10. The last eight weeks, they're 8-0. Their turnover margin is plus 13. We're not seeing any more of those goofy Patrick Mahomes dipsy-doodle passes. The opponents were scoring 29 points per game against Kansas City the first seven weeks. They're now Chiefs only allowing about 12.9 points per game. The defensive EPA rank for the Chiefs in mid-October was 29th. Now they're third. The Chiefs look very good again, and uh, if they get the if they get the W tomorrow in Cincinnati, where they are facing a 29th ranked pass defense, they're going to be pretty tough to ace out uh, for the uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They do Tennessee does have the tiebreaker against them, but Tennessee also has one more loss. One of the games the pros like tomorrow that I think is really under the radar. It's shrewd. The Eagles are laying four, four and a half at Washington. The Eagles have won five of six. They won the stats battle in all six games. Meanwhile, Washington only two and eight against the spread in their last ten divisional games. This is a I think you're gonna see a gritty, gutty Washington football team tomorrow that's gonna to dig deep and show up and fight for Ron Rivera, and they are getting points at home. Here's the thing about the Eagles. Uh I've always been a Jalen Hurts fan. I respect him immensely for the way he conducted himself at Alabama. He had his day in the sun. I don't. I didn't think he was a, a legit pro prospect at Bama. He goes to Oklahoma, becomes one, and he's done enough in the NFL to really garner a lot of respect. However, in his last six games, Jalen Hurts, his completion percentage is only 57%. That, that's good enough for a 26th rank in the NFL. Not good. In his last six games, he's only thrown three touchdown passes against four interceptions. That's good for a 26th rank in uh, in the NFL. And his passer rating, only 73.7. That ranks 24th among NFL quarterbacks. If Washington can stack the box, now we know the Eagles are going to want to run the ball, right? They don't have Miles Sanders, but they will stick to a run-heavy game because just two weeks ago against Washington – It worked, but last week they did get some confidence. The Eagles did. Hurts made some downfield throws um, against the Giants. The Giants are not good, and they only did that because his running makes didn't produce produce on the ground. So I like Washington. I think the pros like Washington in that game. You look at Pittsburgh catching points at home against Cleveland tomorrow night or Monday night, and interestingly enough, the dog in that series, 5-1, in their last six, I get the feeling the Steelers upset them. 
Big Ben Roethlisberger, in his career, he's owned the Browns. Fact. He's 25-2-1 against the Browns in his career. Throwing 42 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, passer rating of 94 Point two. I have a. I do not trust the Browns' DNA in a, in a in a game like this. I just simply don't. And another factor in this game, Mike Tomlin has a way of getting his teams up when they have had a week, a, a terrible week, the week before. The, the Steve, you know, as a matter of fact, in his career, Tomlin is six and zero against the spread when coming off a loss and surrendering thirty five points or more the week before. Also, there's going to be some emotion in Heinz Field. Uh, on Monday night, this is most likely going to be Ben Big Ben's last regular season game in Heinz Field. And, and not for nothing, both the Steelers and the Browns have a shot, believe it or not, at winning the AFC North. Especially with the two teams in front of them, the Bengals. they got to beat the Chiefs and the Ravens. They're going to have to beat the Rams. They're going to have their hands full. So, again, Roethlisberger 25-2-1 against, and, uh, against Cleveland in his career. And I think Pittsburgh is still capable of grinding out a game so you can never really... Write them off. And uh, I, it'll be a fun Monday night game to watch. All right, that's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas. Keep it locked right here. Coming up, Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up, keep it locked. Straight Out of Vegas! 